back with you all today. I felt uh, quite poor last Sunday, and I was not able to worship with you all in person, uh, and it was a last-minute decision. So instead of asking anyone to prepare a message in a couple of hours, we watched a message from Pastor Allen uh, that he preached back in January. Allen's a pastor at our sister church over at Lawrenceville. And so uh, Sunday morning uh, in the wee hours, I asked if Alan, uh, if we could play one of his sermons during our service as I wasn't feeling well. And I told him, I hope it doesn't wear him out too much having to preach two messages at the same time in different places. Uh, <laughs> he said he was already worn out, so it didn't matter. There's no need to worry. But as I was uh, preparing for the message last week, I was thinking to myself in, in preparation, man, this would have been a great message to go along with Riley's baptism. And I was a bit disappointed that it was gonna be the week before Riley's baptism. Uh, but lo and behold, I got sick and I was not able uh, to be here uh, last Sunday morning. So maybe God's the one who orchestrated uh, me being sick. I'm kidding, I don't know. Uh, although, uh, who knows? There's lots more important things than my physical help. But I was out for the count on Sunday, but I got a lot better with each passing day. Then this past Wednesday evening, Ezra and I, uh, we went uh, up to Michigan to spend a couple of days with family. It's been a bit of a tradition of uh, mine and my dad's to watch uh, March Madness together, the first round of March Madness. Any March Madness fans out there? A couple, uh, not, not too many. Uh, yeah, Brian and I are going to see a, a game later today. That, that will be exciting. Go green, right, Brian? Uh, but... <laughs> But here we are, two weeks separated uh, from our last message on the book of Romans. Uh, and, and we've titled this series, Romans, the Foundation of Our Faith. As a couple of months ago, we, we uh, started this book and we saw how Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. And this church at Rome was a church that consisted of both Jewish and Gentile believers. The Gentile of someone who simply isn't a Jew. So it was a mixed church. Uh, the, the, this brand new church consisted of a, a bunch of different home churches of both Jewish and Gentile believers. And so Paul, he, he was an apostle. He, he was really instrumental in, in, in spreading that gospel message in the first century. And he wanted to go to Rome himself to spread this gospel message. He did end up later uh, visiting Rome uh, under house arrest. Uh, but in the meantime, instead of visiting uh, the city of Rome in person, he would write a letter to the church at Rome. And this letter that he writes to the church at Rome, known as Romans, is a letter presenting the gospel message. And that gospel message is the foundation of our faith. And so the past three weeks, we've covered material, material where Paul uses an Old Testament figure to prove his point. And, and throughout this uh, process, he often is essentially debating a hypothetical Jew. Uh, and what better people to bring up uh, than the founders of the faith when debating a Jew? And so two weeks ago in our last message in the series, we saw Paul compare and contrast Adam to Jesus. Adam... The, the first man brought death to everybody, but Christ, the second Adam, brought eternal life to everybody. And so through Jesus, we have access to grace. Grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. And so through Jesus, we have access to God's grace for we have access to eternal life, something that you and I, we do not deserve. We deserve death, nothing more, nothing less. But through Christ, grace reigns as we have access to eternal life. 
And so Paul can, continues this discussion in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 11 this morning. In Romans chapter 6, as Paul uh, just got done talking about the, the, the grace that we have through Christ Jesus in verse 21 of chapter 5, it reads, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Paul picks up in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, and Paul writes, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So we can say hi uh, to that same hypothetical uh, Jewish objector that Paul seems to address frequently. And uh, this hypothetical objector uh, asks the question, uh, what shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, this is uh, really very similar to the objection uh, that Paul raises in chapter 3 of verse 8 in the book of Romans, where Paul uh, writes, why not do evil that good may come? And the same type of argument is brought up in Galatians 5, 13, 1 Peter 2, 16, and Jude 4. And so five separate occasions where we, we are taking a look at, at the grace and the freedom that we have, and why not just use that for evil? Why not use that for sin? For it provides an opportunity for God to show his grace to us. As God has blessed us with the beautiful gift of free will, you and I, we all have the ability where ordinary human beings are enslaved to the power of sin. But when we are united with Christ throughout this process of baptism, we are free from that. We are free from the power of sin. Sin has no power over us anymore as God's children. I love that song, our identity as God's children. That, that, that is who we are. We are God's children. As God's children... Sin has no power over us. And so your life shouldn't look ordinary. Your life should not look like someone who is enslaved to sin. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. Uh, people uh, make mistakes, but, but we aren't enslaved by this. This, this. this shouldn't be habitual practices in our day-to-day -day life, for we have power over sin. This is what uh, really bothers me uh, with uh, Christians in general and our lax stance towards sin. For when we have a lax stance uh, towards sin, we diminish. We diminish the freedom that we have from sin through Christ Jesus. So in essence, we are diminishing the cross. We're diminishing the death. We're diminishing the suffering that Christ went through on that cross. And we have a lax stance towards sin. For Jesus didn't die just so that we could live a ho-hum life and blend in with the rest of the present evil age. No, Jesus died so that we could be set free from sin. And we are free from the power of sin. Sin has lost its grip on your life. So we are too closely identified with Jesus to just uh, to continue carrying on sinning habitually. And so Paul here, he continues in verse eight, and he says, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. 
death no longer has dominion over him. So throughout uh, the Old Testament, uh, the time of the law, the law of Moses, the Israelites, they had a, a system of sacrifices, and they really had a handful of different types of sacrifices. They had burnt offerings, they had grain offerings, uh, peace offerings, um, sin offerings, guilt offerings. I think I already said that. Uh, but, but they had a, a couple of, a handful of different types of offerings. So the Israelites, they, they would often offer up a, a sacrifice of an animal for their sin. They did this constantly. They, they did this all of the time. Well, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament with Jesus, he died once for all, for, the, for all of the sins of the world. And then, after Jesus died once for all, Jesus was raised to eternal life as God gave Jesus victory and power over death. Where Jesus was raised to everlasting life where Paul states it out very plainly that he will never die again. He will never die again. And we too, we have access to that same eternal life. When Jesus descends from heaven to earth, Jesus right now sitting at the right hand of God, one day when, when God tells him Jesus is going to descend from heaven to earth with all uh, of this God-given power and authority, and when that takes place, if we have a living and active faith in God, then we will be raised to everlasting life. We too will never die again if we have a living faith in, in God. For we are counted dead to sin. And sin has no power over us anymore. And on top of that, we will be freed from the consequences of sin. And that's death. You see, in the the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all the animals. He created uh, the water uh, of the sea. He created the land and, and the trees. And God made man and woman. What was missing from God's original creation was death. There was no death in God's original creation. Death was only introduced into the picture when sin was introduced into the picture. And so therefore, through Jesus, we will have victory not only over sin, but we will have victory over the consequences of sin, which is death. We have that through Christ Jesus. And so Paul closed out uh, this passage here, last two verses that we'll read for this morning. Paul writes, for the death he died, he died to sin. Uh, No, I'm sorry, I already read that. Uh, Let not sin, uh, verse 12. No, yeah, excuse me, verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin. I'm sorry. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so here, we must consider ourselves dead dead to sin, and we must consider ourselves alive to God. Christ Jesus, after he was resurrected from the grave and he was given eternal life, he lived his life for God. He lived his whole life for God. And we too, once we are dead to sin, we are made alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus, he, uh, he unfortunately had to go through uh, the consequences uh, of sin, uh, the sin of the world, the, the, the one sinless human being. And so he paid the punishment. He died on the cross in excruciating pain and excruciating death. As Christ, 
He sought to live for God. Christ was not about serving his own selfish ambitions and desires. Christ was all about living for God. And we too, as Paul says in verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So no longer shall we pursue our own selfish ambitions and desires, where now we are being united with Christ and we do it all for God. I'm reminded uh, again of my grandpa on his uh, deathbed. It's uh, the homepage on my phone on uh, his goal for the day when, when he was dying. His goal for the day was, was to please God and a beautiful reminder for me. But Christ is the ultimate example. Christ is the ultimate example of what it looks like to please God. As Christ lived to please God, he lived for God. And we too, now that we are dead to sin, we're made alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so no longer shall we be pursuing our own selfish ambitions and selfish desires, but our life is all for God. We do it all for the glory of God. And so what a, a beautiful passage here in chapter six of Romans in the first 11 verses, talking about the hope that we have through the waters of baptism. I'm so ecstatic uh, that Riley has expressed a desire to get Baptized. She understands the significance of baptism and how important it is for her. So, Riley, I am so, so grateful for the decision that you have made and the decision that you'll continue to make in the waters of baptism. You are being united with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. You are being washed clean of your sin. And if you stay the course, you will have eternal life in God's coming kingdom a world where everything wrong with this world, and we all know there's a lot wrong with this world, everything wrong with this world will be made right. I'm a firm believer that you will see God face to face in his coming kingdom. Gives me the chills. And so for everyone else who has been baptized, let this be a reminder to you of the great hope that you have through Jesus. That through your decision and getting baptism and the waters of baptism, you've been united with Christ in his death, and you've been united with Christ in his resurrection. And for those of you who haven't been baptized, let this be an eye-opening passage on the importance of baptism. We're associated with baptism. We have the promise of being set free from the overarching enemy in our life story. We, we, we have the promise of being set free from sin. And we also have the promise of eternal life as we will have victory over sin and victory over the consequences of sin, which is death. And so if you're someone who's even contemplating a bit about baptism and if it's right for you or not, I would love for you to talk with me after the service and talk about what's right for you in this moment. If you don't want to talk to me, talk to one of our elders, Mark or John or Brian, or a trusted role model in the faith. Talk to them about the, the consideration of whether or not you too want to get baptized, just like Riley here in a minute. And some think that, you, you know, you got to get your life in line uh, before baptism. Let me tell you, Riley, she doesn't have, as much as I love Riley, she doesn't have her life in, in line perfectly. And she's aware of that. She knows that. This, this is just the beginning. How are we supposed to have our life in line if we are still enslaved to sin? I'm going to tell you, you will not 
get your life in line. And so baptism, it's for everyone who simply believes that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. If that's you, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he died for your sins, that he gives you the promise of living eternally in its coming kingdom, then baptism is right for you. So let's go ahead and let's close in prayer if you'll bow with me. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for the special occasion. Father, we thank you for the waters of baptism and everything that they represent, our new life through your son, Christ Jesus. As so, a Father, I just pray that, that if there is someone here this morning who has it on their heart to seek the waters of baptism, I just pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to speak out and make that desire known. So Father, I just thank you for Riley and her, de- her decision this morning. I pray that it encourages each and every one of us. So Father, we love you. It's in Christ's precious and holy name that we pray. And all of God's church said,